0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to episode one of the Strong and Kind podcast. This episode was with Coach Mitchell Davis. He is pursuing his PhD in exercise science, and he's big into coaching theory. We talked a lot about coaching, a lot about training, developing people, and having fun. It was an awesome chat, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. So Mitchell, let's just jump in. How is the PhD going?
1: You scheduled this uh, podcast on on the best day possible. So this morning I hopped on email. Uh, I'm finally uh, approved. I'm conditionally approved uh, to start reaching out to high schools and uh, uh, getting teams to participate. So the hard work's over. And now it's just uh, we're getting in the meat and potatoes of it. So it's been... A lot of sitting around and waiting and uh <laughs> finally i get to do the fun stuff so yeah it's going really well as of 9 30 this morning
0: <laughs> so congrats tell me Thank just you. give me the context give the listeners of the seven listeners of this this introductory podcast a little context about you know what you're pursuing
1: yeah so uh i'm pursuing my phd in health and exercise um and so um Dave's question was pertaining to my dissertation process, uh, and so uh, I've got a few months left. Uh, been a couple years of uh, classwork, and then uh, now a semester of, of dissertation work. I've, I've finished my literature review, and I submitted my study to the IRB, which is an organization that makes sure that researchers aren't doing anything silly or stupid. Uh, and I was just uh, approved to move forward with that. So uh that's what
0: i'm doing congrats all right so we will get into a little bit of like you you are coaching you're coaching in multiple realms right now like crossfit um you're also coaching at the high school level strength conditioning for multiple teams yeah i mean i could go deep here and just be like what got you into coaching you're a former marine too but like what what made you pursue being a coach
1: Uh, Marine Corps had nothing to do with it because I was already coaching before I joined the Marine Corps. So I went into the Marine Corps late. I went in at 24, 25. Uh, I think all of us have an origin story, uh, good or bad. Uh, You know, I think if we stop and reflect, it's probably good and bad. So I had really good coaches and I had really terrible coaches. Uh, For me specifically, uh, you know, even going back to second grade, uh, we were asked, you know, as little second graders, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, it's cowboy, you know, astronaut, whatever. Uh, I wanted to be a psychologist just like my dad. It's All I wanted to do. I didn't change my mind. I went off to undergraduate, um, got my bachelor's degree in psychology, uh, started in on a master's program for clinical psychology. And at the same time, uh, my old high school history teacher uh, was uh, uh, had just become the head football coach. We ran into each other. Uh, you know, I graduated high school at 126 pounds, came back a bit heavier, had a little bit of muscle mass on me. Uh, and here I was with a whole bunch of free time. And he said, dude, I, I need a strength coach. Can't pay you a whole lot, but we get to hang out. Let's have some fun. And I said, yeah, this sounds awesome, right? And so here I am coaching uh, and realizing that psychology, uh, far expands sitting in a room with someone, uh, and then venting their problems, uh, to you. And I remember I went home to my dad and I said, I don't want to be a clinical psychologist. And he said, yeah, I figured. And he said, what, what do you mean you figured? He said, I know you, man, like you wouldn't have been a good fit for it. I said, why didn't you tell me this? He said, cause it's not my life to live. Like it's your life to live. You have to figure this out. And so here we are now 15, 15 years later of coaching. And uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's more sports psychology than it is exercise science. And anyone who wants to argue with that you're probably training robots. You're probably not training real humans, right?
0: And your your ego is probably so big that you you know you haven't really turned and looked at yourself very recently, right? Like I so you you know, you put up a lot of like good content that is pretty deep on your stories on Instagram. And I'm probably one of the few people that is like sifting through it and getting some wisdom <laughs> out of it. But like Thank you we get you know you're the first you're the first guest on this podcast, and I think what made you come to mind is like, I love coaching and I don't know if I'm a very good coach, but I love the, I love helping people, but in a way that is not fixing, right? Like, and it's like your dad, your dad knew this lesson very, very well. It's like, it, it's other people's, it, it's not my life. My, my goal is to just be a counselor, right? Or to provide some insight and, you know, training, like physical training is so it can be such a, an amazing competence booster for people and both physically and mentally when done well, but it also can be something that like makes people anxious and afraid when not done well. Like, yeah. and uh, I don't know, like, what are your thoughts on like that type of, you know, like dichotomy in coaching? What's that about?
1: If coaches would just get out of their way, we'd have a healthier America. And I find it very fascinating that with each passing year, we have more coaches, personal trainers, nutritionists, and yet we still grow more and more unhealthy. And so although we're not going to prove causation, I'll say maybe there's a correlation there. Maybe we're just overwhelming people with our opinions and we need to get out of our own way, right? I see all these helpful posts of, if you're not training all six movement patterns, if you're doing whatever, you're going to wind up, dude, who cares if you've got a 15-year-old gym bro who wants to bench press seven days a week? Like, it's not my duty in life to make this person do what I want them to do. It's my duty in life as as a coach to just get them interested In being healthier. And you know what? If you do it right, if you listen to them, eventually that 14 year old kid who benches seven days a week is going to realize there's more to life than a big bench and he's going to grow. But we put up so many barriers, we make it so confusing that we take the fun out of it. I mean, my goodness. If you're not having fun while you're training, that doesn't mean there's not hard parts or that doesn't mean that, you know, the CrossFitter who's laying on the floor saying, why do I do this? Right. But the vast majority of what we do in the weight room, in the CrossFit gym, out on the track, whatever should be fun. And if more people invested, more people like us invested in the fun of life and the fun of fitness, I believe we'd be a whole lot better off in terms of the health and wellness sphere.
0: Yeah. What do you think it's about? What do you think like is it like people's desire to be superior? I mean because dude I've made some of those posts and I think some of it's like uh um patri like uh what is it like when you're trying to be like a fatherly wisdom type thing where it's like don't bench seven times a week cuz you know, like there's more to life than benching or whatever, but what do you think it is? Is it like the innate desire to be superior? Is it like, I've gained a little bit of knowledge. Let me spread that knowledge. Is it the Dunning-Kruger effect? Like, what is it? What do you, th- you know, if you were going to boil it down to a few things, what is it about? Is uh, it cap-
1: capitalism? <laughs> well, I think, I think it's, 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 it's all of that. Right. Um. So, you know, whether, whether, whether we're, whether we're religious or not, whether you're a Christian or not, I'm sure most of us have heard uh, the scripture of raise them up in the way that they must go, right? I think that is an inherent uh, trait in a parent or a coach, right? In the way they must go. If you're a nerd and you study things, you start to learn That we missed the mark just a little bit. It is not raise them up in the way that they must go. It is raise them up in the way that they are going. Let's look back at my dad. It was not his duty to tell me what to do. It was his duty to make my life the best that he could make it. And you know what, I might've gone off course and he might've known it, but he had enough love and faith and trust in me and in his teachings as a father that I would be able to course correct. And so I think a lot of it comes down to is we're just so anxious and, and we want results immediately, whether selfish, right? Like if someone's not getting immediate results, I'm going to get canned as a coach or because we just have this inherent desire to tell people the truth when I think we just need to be a little more patient.
0: Yeah, yeah. Were you uh, at, I mean, like, (laughs) this is like a running theme for me this week. Have you ever read uh, The Little Black Book of Training Wisdom by Dan Cleaver? Yes. Yep. Dude, I mean, I'm rereading it and I think I read it like four or five years ago and I didn't really learn the lesson, which is like, be patient. It yeah. really is the overarching lesson of that, like lesson of that. Like be consistent in your training and then be patient. Um and it's just so easy the gratification and I think this is one I think some of it's like people don't realize it because when you get into fitness, when I first got into CrossFit and I I started to enjoy challenge, you know, because it was like I was like choosing it a little bit more and I when I first started running and I started to see that like I could do hard things that was gratifying for me and it, it translated into like playing soccer a little bit better and a little bit more confidence you know and but then it's like this then what we do is like we go through the the like early stages of everything like where we get that quick hit of relative progress and then our physiology just puts the brakes on us right and The hard part then is everybody's looking to optimize or find the fastest way to do things, right? And the reality of it is, is like, really who plays the longest game for the most part, and honestly, I think just who has the most fun probably wins. Like, I I was just thinking about Michael Jordan, and you could say, like, that dude's, like, was aggressive, right? Like, hard on the people around him, right? But I also think he had a shit ton of fun like you know while he was playing and, and and what he was doing he was also very present like people talk about Jordan as if you're like he was just so present right and that's like the things that we're missing you know like why do why do people even need coaches because me and you like I can be a little bit more objective with you and just be like Mitch hey what do you want to do here Like, cool. Let's like, let's go challenge ourselves, but let's also realize that like, it might take you a little longer than that. And you can't, you can't stop just because we don't want you. I don't want you to stop just because it's going to get like right up against you. Like, that's really what coaching is to me is just like helping like, asking good questions and then saying like it's kind of the mic to share type mentality it was like just take what's there like on any given day right and if you do that over and over again you, things get better when you try to like force it and when you're not having fun that's when we struggle right so you're with a bunch of high school kids all the time like what's what are their mindsets around when when you first like when they're very green what are their mindsets around this stuff what do they think and then do you Yeah, how do you navigate that?
1: You know, you you have your bros who come in and they want to sling iron from day one, but then you also have, you know, um, remember I was 126 pounds when I graduated high school. You know, the kids who come in, they're like 105 pounds, soaking wet, never saw a barbell in their life, and it's scary as shit. And so maybe it's because I'm not in a school district where kids... um, you know, like the private schools where it's almost like, you know, the college transfer portal, right. Where you don't have these division one athletes walking around. Um, but to me, the second, the second you make it about winning is the second you're setting these kids up for long-term failure. And so it's, it's about a, a welcoming and warm environment and regardless how their season goes, After three or four years of them being a high school uh, athlete, I want them to continue to go and to fitness well beyond sport, right? And so with that, if fun isn't the priority... I'm not doing my job right. And so, you know, you talk about the optimizers and like everything has to be perfect. And, you know, you're following the latest evidence and, and, you know, are we using VBT now because it's going to make our athletes more explosive. And are we doing the proper plyometrics? And now let's throw some functional range conditioning in here and let, dude, your kids are so bored. Yeah. And so I would much rather lose out on some performance metrics if it means i'm just gaining more buy-in and the shitty part is, is is when you do this on online or you you know whether it's a blog post or whether it's a podcast or whatever people are so black and white and so you hear a high school strength coach saying hey you know what we can get rid of some performance everyone's like oh my gosh he doesn't care about performance at all no, you know what? If my kid is only 90% of his capability and performance, but is 100% bought in, he is going to outwork any kid who is optimized. And after four years of varsity sport, can't wait to never return to a weight room again. Yeah. And we have to remember they're kids. Yeah. They are kids. And so if I am just beating them to death with these rigid protocols and I am making them come in and they roll their eyes every day because it's more bird dogs and cat camels and I'm just hounding them about their squat depth they never want to come back or if I say hey you know what he's 14 years old he's never squatted a day in his life I'm going to give him a year yeah he's more confident you know we have to we have to remember Guys like you and me, we go into a weight room and someone points something out to us. We're like, hey, that's part of fitness, right? Like I'm growing, I'm getting better. Most humans, you go up and correct them. They already think all eyes are on them. They already think that they're the worst mover in there. And so as coaches, it's like, I have to go and correct this person or they will get hurt or whatever we fill in the blank there. Or the cool part is, is if you give your athletes time. Now, when I say time, I mean like a year. Yeah. Amazing how little I actually have to do in terms of queuing and how far they're going to get in their performance. But how many coaches are bringing with them this mindset of I'm changing lives. And so they're not connecting with the athletes. And so the only thing you have to offer is performance. And so I understand why you're so driven to make sure a squat goes from your typical high schooler looking squat to Olympic level standards. Give yourself some freedom, understand what your purpose is there. You're going to relax a little bit. <laughs> your, your high school homies are going to love you for it. And now the rest of their lives, they're, they're all for fitness and our country needs more of it, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Like so, and
0: I I know where you're gonna go to some extent, but like, all right, because this is you know, some whoever listens to this, like, oh, so so what matters? Does technique matter? Does programming matter? You know, and my general thinking of where you're going with this is like, yeah, at some point, but like in the early days, it like it's just like good, and this is one of my, you know, good enough is what we're about, right? Like I'm gonna, I'm, and it's not that I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna what you want to do, in my opinion, is just set the task up for success for that person, as opposed to creating rigid standards that like really make like, because what basically it was for me, it was like, I put a barbell on my back when I was 14 years old. And I just didn't know how to squat down and hit that like rope that was pulled across the bottom. Like, what am I doing here? Right. And it was really frustrating and aggravating, especially when I saw one of my buddies who could do 135 the first week. Right. And it just became this thing where I just became more anxious in there. And mm-hmm. what would have probably just solved the problem is like, hey, Dave, squat to the bench for now. Cool, good job. Get a little bit better next week, sweet, right? And like, just and like, just build some confidence because you're still training a range of motion that's gonna make me a little stronger. It's gonna help me build confidence. And just like, everybody does come in with a little bit different, like, you know, th- everybody's at a different level and that's that's just life. But like, what we do is like, we create these rigid standards that, like, in the beginning, they don't freaking matter. What matters is, like, let's show up, let's have fun, let's engage in meaningful activity, let's play, because play is fun. Play is meditative, right? When we would get out those, like, uh, you know, the American Gladiator game, when we would play, like, handball to the trash can, everybody was all in when we played, when for football, right? When we went and did some drill that was, like, what we were supposed to do to get, become better athletes or whatever. Everybody was like, this sucks, you know, (laughs) like, and it was really the handball that was making us better. Right. But like, you don't people don't think about stuff like that. We're like, yeah, this is what the NFL guys are telling us to do at the top level. Right. So, yeah. What matters in your opinion? What are the things like and what matters? Maybe is there a criterion, you know, down the road? I don't know if you I I can guess where you're going to go, but.
1: Uh, I mean, what matters is right in the present. And so each, each year kind of changes a little bit. And so, you know, last year, what mattered was we were undersized. And so let's put on some weight. This year, we're a bit slower. We lost a lot of speed. So let's get faster. But what matters is getting them to buy in to what we're doing. And so let's look at, so so this year, our line is slow off their first step. We could make them do a bunch of stuff that they don't like, or we could let them clean. Now you get into this whole debate of, oh, you shouldn't have your athletes clean because they don't know the technique. You have some coaches who say there's other ways to do it. You have other coaches who pull out the PVC pipe and just drill these kids to death. I realized after our first block, our linemen sucked at cleaning. So this block, we clean four days a week. They're so young. You make them do repetition. It is unbelievable how fast they get good at something. My linemen can clean now. Yeah. Because they've done it across four weeks. We're up to like 16 or 20 times where they've had repetition after repetition after repetition, they like to clean. So they'll be engaged in it and you just let them do enough of it. They're going to get better. And so to me, what matters is as a coach, as a good coach is finding what your need is and not pulling that BS. of I give my athletes what they need, not what they want, you give the athletes what they want. And that is going to get you what you need. Yeah. we we flip-flopped it, right? And we wonder why kids get burnout. We wonder why adults don't want to fitness. We wonder why we talked to some some older adults and they, they they their reflections on fitness was all punishment. Yeah. Right. Sprints were because we showed up late. Burpees yeah. because someone screwed up. And we wonder why people don't have a passion and a love for fitness. It's because all of our associations are negative.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to convey this and nuanced, uh, nuanced Instagram posting about how we have an associative mind. Right. So like if you got burpees for punishment and you go to a CrossFit class, even if you're like, oh, this is just part of class, like there's a little bit of how you feel. It's like, oh, this is punishment. And like like there's so much to that game. Right. So let's talk about sports specificity for young kids and how you feel about it and what you maybe think needs to be done. Um, and then after that, let's talk about variation and novelty, because I know you're also engaging in CrossFit these days. So like, what, what is it with sports specificity that we're getting wrong potentially, or what do you think about it? And then, yeah, what, what, then let's get into the
1: other side of it. Anytime you talk to someone who's high and mighty on like baseball needs this football needs that ask them what would happen if every single team just ran the same program And the only deviations we had was, you know, preseason versus in season versus off season. Generally speaking, you're getting a lot of errs and ums. Specificity, especially at the high school level, even at the collegiate level, is probably just a farce because the strength coach has nothing else to offer. He's not buying. He or she is not buying into the team. You're not learning who they are. You're not getting them bought into your program. So of course you know, my football coach wants to hear that, oh, this is getting your kids better at football. What's getting your kids better at football is they play football, right? And anyone who wants to argue, I think as a strength coach, we think our piece of the puzzle is bigger than it is. If anyone wants to argue that, go watch any given high school football game, especially a really good team. You're going to see a kid out there, 130 pounds, ankles about that big, just dusting kids,
0: yep.
1: right? Good athletes are good athletes. What you're doing is you're building weight room warriors. And then that confidence in the weight room will transfer over to the field. And so let's look back at our last season. We were a three and seven football team. Now we had the highest opponent win percentage in the state. Like we just came up against an immovable wall. Out of the 10 teams we played, seven of them made playoffs. Of those seven teams, four of those teams played for district championships. We just came up against some studly football teams. If we looked at our strength and conditioning numbers in my, at that time, 14 years of doing this at the high school and college level. 55 percent of my football team repped 225 on bench for those of you who've never been around high schoolers that's a big number yeah that's not that's not very normal these dudes could lift some weights my 160 pounder uh running back cleaned 275 like dude i clean that as an adult he's 160 pounds That didn't correlate to victory, but what did happen is these kids stayed in love with each other through the hardest season of their lives. They never quit, and in fact, of 10 games, we lost two second halves. We came out eight, not, not every game were we losing, but of all those games we lost, we won the second half. I don't mean that like in terms of like, you know, oh, we the victory. second we literally yeah. won the second half. Yeah. Now we shot ourselves in the foot in the first half and it's yeah. hard to dig ourselves out of a hole. But think about the hardship of grinding through a squat. Think about the hardship of working on your 40 time and how that translates over to sport. If more strength coaches understood that part of it, we'd let go of being optimists. And we'd start realizing the bigger picture, that 10,000 foot view. These kids going at halftime down 35 nothing, and they rally back and finish the game 28 to 35. And I'm telling you right now, at 15, 16 years old, that is hard to do week over week over week over week. That to me is manhood, right? Like good on them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, and like going three and seven is not fun, but it's better than going zero and ten, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that like the weight room was what allowed them to three win three win three games, but the confidence—it's like one of those things. It's like the conf- if you take a guy who, and this is like my my origin story a little bit too—you take a guy who's pretty insecure, and you build him up mentally, and you say, "Yeah, you're doing cool shit in the weight room. You're getting stronger," right? It might not transfer to your, you know, on the field performance, but like you're showing up and you're doing good things. And, you know, these other guys are doing it with you. Right. And that's super cool. And then like, wow. who who knows what, who knows what next year is going to bring, but you're in a better spot than you would have been if you hadn't like, it's kind of the duality of it, right? Like the weight room matters a ton, but it also doesn't because if there's just some really athletic kids at another high school, it's going to be, tr- it's going to be tough, right? Like that's just the nature of sports. Right. But when you give kids confidence, you give them a chance. When you give people confidence, you give them a chance. You give them self-esteem, you give them a chance. And like, that's what the weight room is about. And it's about like, Hey, yeah, like dude, cleaning 275 at 16 years old is wild, especially for a 160 year old kid. Right. So, you know, whenever I watch uh, university weight room videos, you know, what's just the, what I, what I notice? everybody's just hyped. It's yeah. not like the training protocol was probably anything special. It's not like anything other than if, you know, I, you lived in your garage. I lived in my garage. Like I got to get myself. And I saw that you played put Motown on for your guys a couple days ago. And I was listening to Motown. So it's like, we we're on the right vibe. But like if 50 other dudes were like, let's freaking go. Like you're going to, you're going to find that next gear. Right. And that's the hard part about being an adult is you kind of got to find that gear on your own. And I think that's part of training, but Like when it comes to specificity, when it comes to these things, it's like, you know, like any, you know, you look at like the Russian or the Chinese system. It's like they're just putting people through the meat grinder and whoever comes out on the other end was going to come out on the other end, no matter what. Right. What we really need to be doing is just help kids feel good about themselves, especially like right now in this crazy instagram TikTok, like time where the kids are just bombarded with like you know how scary life is and how you know uh like honestly just things that don't matter are just being pushed on kids right and it's very anxiety inducing and um yeah i'm with you like 100 percent like and and also just playing three sports is gonna make you a better athlete than just trying to play baseball all year round like it's it's you know and it'll probably keep you playing baseball longer right and so it's just people are getting it wrong and i think it's just marketing and it's it's kind of just fear right like yeah oh, your kid's not playing sport he's not playing all four seasons you know well he might not make the team again next summer and it's like okay well doesn't really matter <laughs> like you know let's let him have fun so all right now like i do want to talk about variety because um you talk about doing the clean four times a week, right? And I I'm, I am don't know what your programming is like, but like it, it that's, that's specificity towards a task that's also going to translate generally to something else. But like when it comes to CrossFit, and maybe we can talk about programming here a little bit, like do people get it wrong trying to do way too much or is, in the name of fun, is that okay? Or how do you feel about like, let's make some goals and maybe orient towards a certain thing? Like, how do you think about programming? I know you coach people individually. I know you're coaching CrossFit. How do you like navigate that like fun versus you want to get good at this thing versus like you know, jack of all trades or too much variety, you're not actually moving in the direction you want to go, type of stuff?
1: Individual programming is, is easy because it's one coach and it's one client. It's easy if you build the relationship, right? And so yeah. I'm talking to a coach who is who who builds his relationship. So we don't have to go too far into that, right? And so if your coach loves you as an athlete, you're gonna improve because you that door is open and you're gonna have those conversations and things will get better, right? When we're looking at the group programming, especially for adults, so in enters CrossFit, the two biggest mistakes that occur is number one is adults do not understand the valuable interplay between volume and intensity. And so it doesn't matter which CrossFit box you go into, the mindset (laughs) is more. And so I find it hysterical. My shtick is I'm the anti-warm-up coach. When I am training a group of adults, my goal for the warm-up is to get you to move in ways that aren't CrossFit. And so generally speaking, it means you're going this way. Yep. Yeah, sure. Right. But if you look at CrossFit programming, and like you can go to mayhem programming, Matt Frazier has his programming, Ben Smith has his programming. If you look at a lot of the, a lot of the warm-ups, right? Yeah. CrossFit's already doing so much volume as it is, yeah. and a lot of their volume is under extreme intensity. What's the warm-up? And so we we had a we had a workout, it was 75 air squats, 25 push-ups. 50 wall balls, 25 push ups, 75 air squats. And this was the Metcon. So it came after a strength piece, which was five clean and jerks every minute for 10 minutes. And because it's a CrossFit class, you always start with some generalized warm up. Embedded in the notes, and I won't say which programming we use because I do generally like this company's programming. But embedded in that was a warm up specific for the circuit. Oh, and by the way, we squatted heavy the day prior. Yeah. Right. But it's like, so if I can get these adults to not be married to the whiteboard, too many adults when in these group fitness classes are more concerned with what the whiteboard says than what the coach is saying. And oftentimes in these group settings, it is getting the individual to realize they're just trying to do too much. Lo and behold, the individuals who didn't need to get in a bunch of wall balls and squats had a whole heck of a lot better time in their circuit. Why? Cuz they it's just less volume. Um so that that's that's a big piece of it. Uh the other part is dude, just let the adults realize how silly it is that they're so damn competitive with the scores. And so one of the things I say after most classes, right, we can use humor kind of to diffuse a situation. After most classes, my reminder to the class is, hey, listen, if you didn't get the score that you wanted, make sure you let that negatively impact the rest of your day. Not only your day, go home and be a jackass to your spouse and take it out on your kids. And that joke, kind of people kind of stop and 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 it's like you get the chuckle, and people kind of realize, like, yeah, why am I so pissed about missing missing that that time frame or whatever? Um, another one is I explained to people that all of fitness is entirely made up. Someone somewhere decided that this was a workout and that this is the time that you should do it in. okay, Someone else could make an entirely different workout with a different time domain. And we still call that fitness. So, um, you know, it's, it's, what, it's what sort of has permeated this conversation is not taking it too seriously. But we have the benefit of, of knowing that. And I think the more you know fitness from the X's and O's, the physiology, the biomechanics, whatever route you want to take, you start to kind of understand like, hey, we're probably taking this too seriously. But for the for the general public who doesn't study this all the time and sees all the various opinions and sees grown adults arguing with the, each other over, you know, a heel wedge or no heel wedge, right? They take that 60 minutes super seriously, so much so that it negatively impacts their life. And I don't care how physically fit you are. If you're missing out on life, you are not a healthy human. Cool. Yeah. You'll die 100, perfectly healthy. and and miserable cuss right
0: yeah 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 that's one of the things have you seen the the 89 year old woman running the hurdles have you seen that her name's like flo myler right like and i was i was thinking this through i'm like you know this is dope absolutely dope i hope she's having fun right and you know what she's not i hope what she's i can you know we could argue about what she's doing for her training you know what she's probably not doing asking bs permission from people like who would be like ah yeah you shouldn't train this way or you know or and she's probably just like figuring it out and having fun with it because i don't think you keep doing that you know unless you're having fun even the days when i'm like i have a crappy workout like i'm still having fun and i still feel good and that was one of the things I like i love crossfit and i but i think for me i like kind of removed myself from it a little bit because it was hard not to just get into the pissing contest on a regular basis. And I, and I probably will go back into it at some, cause it is an awesome fitness. I'm like, it's an awesome fitness routine and de- depending on who's programming and what, but it was also just like the rigidity of the, the whiteboard. And it's like, this doesn't matter. Like this warm up is not going to help you perform any better than if we would have played spike ball, which that's kind of going around right now is people joking about playing spike ball. And honestly, spike ball, incredible. Like that's probably what we should be doing is play some chill, fun games that get you moving and, and just reacting and playing. And then, yeah, then we'll go squat. And and it really is. We're just the, at the co- the confluence of volume and intensity and people thinking they have to hit it hard six days a week. And then me just as a physical therapist being like, you're yeah, like, I, I'm not going to tell you not to, you got to figure it out on your own. But like a lot of the people's, the problems that people are thinking are just, it's just my elbow like my elbows jacked up it's like nope that's systemic stress right it's just my knee nope systemic stress right like but people don't realize that and they go chasing individual things over and over again and it's like ah, man if i could just get you to have some fun like put don't put the 135 you know don't put 135 on put 95 on and just crush it And, like, you know, then not worry about what that guy next to you is doing so much. Unless, like, every once in a while it is good, right? That's the hard part. Like, it is good to compete, you know, on a regular basis. But if you're, like, if it's taking up your headspace, and it really is the uh, whose line is it anyway, like, where the rules are made up and the points don't matter, like, that was was a joke I would tell in CrossFit. Because it was. It's like, you know, the only people that give a rip about Fran, how fast you do Fran, are you. And maybe if you go post it online, seven other people are like, yeah, good job. Because most people don't even know what that is, right? So there's a lot to it. I think, the, you know, CrossFit has been a net positive and it will continue to, I don't know, oh, yeah. like, becoming kind of tribal. Who knows? That's what happens to these things. But um, as because you, you just kind of got back into coaching group classes, right, in the last couple of months?
1: Yeah, so um, I was away from CrossFit for, oh two years um, and now I've started back up I think I'm like in my in my second month but um, to me coaching is coaching is coaching. I just love yeah. coaching and so yeah. I've been in front of other humans for 15 years um, and so whether I'm with with a high school class or a bunch of adults, the, the message stays the same is make it fun, just pour love into them um, yeah. and and yeah when those you know I think the other thing with coaching is is so for those of you standing in front of the whiteboard, we think that our, you know, CrossFit hammers this into you. It's like you have to have the perfect whiteboard speech, right? When when you're when you're briefing your team, like on what they're gonna do that day, you think you know, it's it's all the stuff that that you're prepping them for the work. The the, the bulk of your coaching comes in those interactions with the individual who pulls you aside, right? Whether yeah. kid or adult. And so um, what day was it? Tuesday. In one hour class, I had. Four individuals who needed something specific not one of them asked about at the whiteboard right that's the other yeah. thing because people are a little intimidated so one individual was dealing with some hip pain we looked at some things and of course he's like dude this feels great cool like now he's bought in he knows i love yeah. him because i went over and i helped him i had a lady she had a she sprained her wrist and so it's like hey nothing we're doing in this circuit is going to fly with you let's keep you moving now. Right. And then she's, she's off doing her thing. And so um, I think that's also important for us to understand if you're in that group setting is it's actually not the group setting that is, that is making you a phenomenal coach. I don't care how good your whiteboard speech is it's the, it's the talking to the individual before, after class, right? Me and this guy spoke for 10 minutes about uh, his horrendous marathon experience, because I had a horrendous marathon experience, right? And now we have something to bond over. And so next time I say something controversial, something that, that goes against his hard set beliefs that he's picked up over the years, he's probably gonna be a whole lot more likely to believe me, right? And so I think sometimes, you know, it's like, hey, wear your uniform, comb your hair, don't be drinking coffee on the floor, like, we're turning into robots yeah. versus you come in one day and your hair's all messy. And it's like, oh, dude, Wyatt was up all night. Like I'm a bit frazzled. That other parent's going to be like, been there, right? You're more human. Yeah. I, think, I, think, I think we're getting, especially with social media, we're just getting so robotic with everything we do. You must perform exercises this way. Don't do this or you will get hurt. And then that's just not real life <laughs> at all. What do you think is at the root of that? Why do why do we do that? Uh, humans are finite and the universe is not finite, right? And so we have to have a reason for everything, and it is so hard to just embrace the unknown. Yeah. Um I mean, you and I talk philosophy a lot and and we look back at the stoics and I think anyone who really gets into stoicism, what drives us towards them is these men we're so comfortable with just accepting fate and just being able to live in the unknown. And think about it if someone hurts their back, the very first thing they will tell you is exactly how they did it. Yeah. I was doing RDLs and I hurt my back. Well, okay, maybe that's just the place and time, but are we sure that, that? And then when you get them through that hurdle, they might accept that what's usually to follow? Well, what did I do then? I don't know. Why does it matter? Well, so I never do that again. Okay. Well, why does that matter? Right. And so, um, I I think that's just a big part of human nature, um, is we have to know why (laughs) and convincing people to not have to know why is an extremely, extremely difficult uphill climb.
0: What's really interesting is I think what we're, we're chasing perfection because I think we think perfection, people have been chasing perfection in the form of like the perfect man or the perfect person since the dawn of history. Right. And it's, I think if we think we can do something perfectly, it will, uh, we will avoid the pain associated with the messiness of life. Right. But like life is inherently messy. Look, look at your hair right now. It's beautiful. Right. But like It's it the messiness is actually like the good stuff, right? Like, and this is one of the things that's really powerful about like a mindfulness practice or just even like reading stoicism and buying in, you know. I want to talk about buying in before we end because I, I think that gets thrown around in a negative connotation. Um but like the messiness is where like the good stuff comes from, right? Like it's you know, when you're starting a business and it's like, oh, this is crazy, and you're like figuring it out, like If it was perfect, you wouldn't be learning anything, right? And it's the same thing with training. Like if, if I could somehow come in and get you to just—and you almost see it with like—I always go to like people who are really good at the weight room. really right away, they almost don't care anymore. Like you know, like they come in, they're super strong, and like it's kind of—it's almost like ah, that was that wasn't very challenging or whatever. And they it's like they kind of just like all right, I can and you know they might re-engage with it later on down the road for different reasons, but like. I remember a guy who squatted like 450 in high school like really well and it's like he's not lifting anymore right and it was like damn like i'm and i'm almost glad that that wasn't me even though at the time i was like god i would have killed to be that for that to be me right so but i think it is if if we can eliminate any uncertainty we can avoid pain when like pain is a teacher it unfortunately is a teacher right and i we don't have to get too much into the uh Dr. Phil Payne, you know, pain is a teacher here. But like it, you know, uh, it is. And I think that's one of the things that like from a from a medical standpoint, it gets hard to navigate because we can't just say that to people because they want relief, right? But it's also just when you accept the uncertainty and we just move you forward, good things happen. Right. Like, and yeah, there's just so much to like I'm I'm just so afraid of optimization in everything. Cause I just think it sucks the life out of people. Like people are going into these jobs that are optimized and they're just like bored out of their mind and they're, they they do not have any meaning in their work. Right. Or like, you know, there's just so many, it's just very pervasive. And it seems like this, you know, like uh, thing that we're chasing, that is not actually going to take us where we want to go. It's just going to make us more miserable. Right. Um, Which is the thing, like you said earlier, like life is for living, right. Not trying to like, not trying living to a hundred in a bubble is not really living to a hundred.
1: Right? right. I, I, so I'd be curious the long-term effects of these optimizers. Right. And so the morning routineers, which I often make fun of, you know, especially those who are taking the ice bath. Right. Um, if you optimize your entire life, what happens when shit hits the fan And so I look at it in terms of my pops is 72, right? He ain't going to live forever. If I'm so obsessed with optimizing my life, what happens if my dad has to go into hospice where my parents have to move in with us and now I have to take care of a toddler and a 70 something year old? What happens if all of a sudden Warwick decides that they're just going to make a gym teacher, their strength coach, and I'm not in there anymore. And now all of a sudden we're out boo bucks financially. Right. And I have to totally change up my life. If you spend every waking moment trying to optimize what happens when life without a doubt, it is not an if it is a, when life kicks you in the nads and you have to work through it. And so part of me, it's like, yeah, I love making fun of them. But part of me, there's also, if, if I have a client who is super obsessed with optimization, I get worried. because what is this going to do any anyone who is an optimizer does not have a child under the age of four and if they do they don't care about that child period you care about yourself more than you care about your offspring because you cannot optimize your life if you are a present father a present mother end of story and so yeah this obsession with optimization it's funny But I think more of us need to stop and realize the negative repercussions of perfecting your life and what that's going to mean to you and to those that you love somewhere down the road.
0: Yeah. You, you, I mean, you've read uh, some Nassim Taleb, right? Like Mm anti-fragile. I mean, it really is like complex systems actually thrive basically out of you know trying to disrupt the system right and the system corrects right and like we are really that but we also like human i always just go back to this it's like you got this you got this incredibly fast like hardware in the form of your like uh you know your non-cortical brain that is your emotional thing that gets you to move and gets you to really live and then we have the the gift and a curse of our neocortex on top of it that literally like is the reason that life can be really awesome for humans, but it's also the reason for most people suffering because they never learned to manage it. Right. And like an optimization is basically like trying to figure out how to avoid, like, not, I mean, I think there's probably some semantics in there. Like, what are we trying to do? Like I wake up and when I, when I wake up and when I don't touch my phone first thing in the morning or when I meditate and then I read it's better, but I'm not doing like a 50 minute freaking routine. Right. I'm just, meditating and i'm reading instead of scrolling for 45 minutes on instagram and i'm making breakfast and i'm moving forward right like that does kind of provide a positive benefit to my mood during the day great right but for me to think i need to do something like this robust thing that to like to like that's fragile to me like you can you can literally choose to you can choose to just reset right at any given time and Um, yeah, like you said, then life's going to kick you in the nads and you got to just learn to play better.
1: Right. Um, I think I, the difference is, is, is this thing bringing me enjoyment in life? So you don't touch your phone. The rest of your day is better. That's great. But what happens on the day where you do touch your phone, does it make your day worse and i don't think this has to be an either or right and so the individual who must ice bath every day it becomes yeah. ingrained in them day after day after day if you want to know if you're a bit addicted to something right take it away for a day and mm-hmm. are you miserable yeah oh, dude the kids were up late last night getting sick so i slept in i missed my ice bath I'm exhausted at work. I can hardly keep my eyes open. Okay, cool. Hey, you know what? You probably need to take a step away from ice bathing for a little bit. Yeah. because Now this is inherently bad for you. And so I, th- I think that's something if humans could ask themselves with whatever their daily routine is, is do I need this or do I like it? If you like it, grip and rip baby. If you need it, you're missing a huge something Somewhere else in your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very good. That's like a very good like basically rule for anything. <laughs> you know, anything that like, you know, I gotta I am I need my coffee straight in the morning. Like, well, like go without it once and just prove to yourself that you don't, right? Like, there's a lot of power in that. All right, I want to touch on buy-in because in the physical therapy in the in the the functional medicine world a lot of that's like hey i gotta like give them a c- quick hit so that they like trust the process right and what you're talking more about is more of like a overarching like communal love for the people that gets them to buy in that they can achieve right but when you talk about buying like what what are the things that you get people in your opinion like on board with what you do and and why and like how you know do you go about thinking about stuff like that like what what are the things that you're like yeah this kid is going to benefit from this because um it's going to help him as a man right grow into a man
1: right uh rule number one and this is like you can't go a day without doing this is you i leave nothing up to chance That kid will not think that I love him. That kid will know that I love him. And how does that kid know I love him? I freaking say it. Say it. Especially as a man. Say it. Say to that kid, I love you. Secondly, on top of that, is you let that kid know that you love them for who they are. So we had a kid... Kind of a chronic uh he would get in trouble in school, never on the team, but gets gets in trouble in school. Pulled him aside one day. This is after like a second or third offense. And I said, Hey man, why do I love you? He said, Because I'm a football player. So, absolutely not. I don't give a shit that you play football. I love you for who you are. That kid's attitude with me went from pretty good to stellar. Yeah. Right? We had a kid who you would think on the outside looking in has a perfect life after our season, I got the biggest hug, tears streaming down his face. Now, of course, cause he's crying. I'm crying. Right. Full on phenomenal hug. Right. And just him saying how much he loved me because of the impact I had on his life. Our boys basketball team just won the section title last night. Right. Awesome game. Every single dude that dabbed me up got a hug back and every single dude was told, I love you. And I'm proud of you. And you know what? They all said it back because they mean it. Right. And it's, it's said back without hesitation. Right. And so, you know, that the buy-in is there because chances are for the first time in their lives outside of parents, Someone has told them that they love them for who they are. No yeah. sports is matched, yeah. right? And so yeah. um, you couple that with you're now just being on an authentic human, yeah. right? Yeah. I think there's, there's a sense of freedom when when you love someone and you let them know it, you no longer have to be perfect coach. Yeah, There's days yeah. you're going to come in frazzled. There's days where you're going to come in exhausted. There's days where you're just a little bit off. And now you're sharing that with them. Dude, I am spent, right? The, our basketball, like I go to bed at 8 p.m. I got home at 10 p.m. last night. I guarantee you, because I was up at the same time, I always am. I'm going to be tired by the time I go and train football. Yeah. If I'm a little off, if I'm not as engaging, my dudes are going to understand. Yeah, Coach Davis is tired. Because he went and supported other kids in this school because he loves them. Yeah. And think how much of the coaching stressors would just disappear if we just surrounded those under our care with love. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times, uh, you know, you're a remote based coach as well. How many times a client will reach out with a struggle and yes, our job is to help. So we give our opinions but I have changed from just being the analytical, like, Hey, here's what we do. I then tacked on top of that for years, but Hey, it depends. And now realizing the piece that I missed was, and Hey, I hear you and I feel for you, but I need you to know how proud I am of you for continuing to work on this. Yeah. And we'll get there. Right. Humans want to hear that they're loved, period. So the old school coaches listening to this, thinking that that's way too soft and men shouldn't tell other men they love them like, okay, you can turn the podcast off now. But for the rest of you, go about your day, start telling people you love them and see how much it impacts your life and how much it impacts their life my my hesitation
0: with that is because i do love i do love people i just think i know like you know it is like a little bit out there i mean and it's dude i'm also like i'm not working with high school kids and like i agree like it's maybe it's just in my brain it's a little easier to be like dude you know davis love you dude like i, I appreciate you like that that does come easy but like adults telling other adults that like aren't my wife or my mom or my dad you know or my in-laws like i love you or my brothers right um it's a little bit it gives me some trepidation but you know at the end of the day like who gives a shit right like if you do if you're like hey i love you for showing up and being yourself i love you for trying like you know like non-conditional but i like you know just loving it really is at the core of it like that is the human that is what sets us apart and we should lean into that more right but we don't because we're dickheads (laughs) like you know
1: I think we're so hesitant. It makes us feel weird, right? And like, I need people to know when I first, when I decided I'm going to tell my athletes and my clients and, and my friends, I love them. It was hard to do, but I yeah. said, Hey, I'm going to do it. And why is this so hard is because humans want to be loved. Yeah. And so, How fearful is it? If I extend myself, if I am vulnerable and yeah. I say to a client, I love you and I'm proud of you and they don't acknowledge it. Yeah. Hey, thanks. That hurts, right? Dude, I told you, I love you, man. Like I mean it. And you don't love me back. And I will emphasize that for men, it's a whole lot harder, right? I believe for women, it's easier for a woman to say to another woman, I love you. And then for her to return it, right? Yeah, it is a wild and and have fun with this. Tell tell your buddies you love them. And watch the stumble. Yeah. Uh, Love you too, man. Right? Almost like a and some of them just won't even say anything. Yeah. And so I believe it's the hardest part is like, dude, I just, I just shared my heart with you, bro. And you're not extending it back. That hurts as a human because we were yeah. pulled on this earth to be a part of a community and that community should be filled with love.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's very profound and uh, I'm going to work on it. And uh, I appreciate the sentiment. I think it really is the foundation you know, it is the foundation. Like uh, you, when you go into some, when you're helping someone, you start with like, all right, let's do this together. And I'm going to extend love. I think like the, uh, I, did you ever read uh, waking up by David Hawkins? No, it's like a pretty deep, you know, Uh, it's about like uh, not waking up. Is it waking up? No, letting go by David Hawkins, not waking up, letting go. And it's like, it's about learning to like just let go of stuff but you know he he was a clinical psychologist i think he got his you know he's a phd md too but he's like you know what i would do before sessions with people is i would just reset my frame every time and just like i would in my in my mind love them right and it's like and it was it was game changer for clinical practice because it was at the foundation of i at least if i was doing that i was doing the best i could to you know and then navigating things so really appreciate this man Mitch oh, yeah. coach uh coach Mitch Davis. What's what's your handle on Instagram?
1: Coach M, M underscore, underscore Davis. Davis.
0: Yeah, on Instagram. Uh Warbird University is that or is the Warbird, Warbird Book Clubs going down? Um I'll 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 hook up some links in this uh this YouTube to get people to you. But I appreciate yeah, we'll, the time, man.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. I always love chatting with you, Dave. You're uh you're a brilliant dude, you're a great coach. Uh, above all, I love you, man. Hey, I love you too, dude. (laughs) Awesome. See ya.
0: Peace.